Happy Friday, everybody. It's Friday, February 5th. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and if you're listening to this, as always, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. Um, if you're finding me for the very first time in podcast, for, podcast format, uh, this is an amateur podcast. You're going to hear some noises in the background. Maybe somebody's going to come to the door to drop off a package. You're going to hear the dogs bark, kids coming and going, so forth and so on. I apologize for that. Um, and if you're new to the podcast, if you're new to everything that I do on social media, uh, if you can swing by the website, it's oldhippymedia.com, oldhippymedia.com. and find out everything you need to know about me, as well as find links to buy my first couple of books. Uh, my first two books are uh, A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. Those books are available in paperback and ebook formats at that website, oldhippymedia.com. Uh, I am working on a merch store for that website. Oh, we're going to have for you a line of t shirts, hoodies, a couple of hats, uh, some other tchotchkes for around the house and, and things of that of that nature. But, um, Merch store coming soon. Trust me. We're working on it. I'll let you know when we get all of that together. Uh, enough pimping me out. Uh, let's go with what's been going on this week. Let's talk about some of the shit that's been going on this week. And Sorry, I was look, just glancing down at my phone here as I'm getting ready to make this. And I, f- I record this in advance. So I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon at 4.30 to be consumed on Friday. I'm looking down at my TikTok account at a gentleman I stitched in with and I'm reading the comments and it's fucking amazing to me. I, I did actually did a couple of, of stitches um, this week that amazed me. I did one, this, this gentleman did a list of the top four worst presidents in the history of America. And he's got Carter at four, FDR at three, Obama at two, and Biden at one. Let's put aside for a second the fact that Biden's been in office for what, fucking 15 days. I mean, how the fuck you put him as the worst president of all time after 15 days is beyond me. And it shows that this is not a serious list in any way, shape or form, but rather just one for clicks. And I gave him a click. I actually stitched in with him because it was that fucking stupid. The other one that I stitched in with, though, um, hang on a second here. So he's got Biden at one. He's got Barack Obama, too. Really? A two-term president who insured 22 million more people over the course of his two terms than were insured when he came into office pulled us out of the greatest recession since the Great Depression, cut government spending by two-thirds, and oversaw the longest streak of private sector job growth in American history. That's your number two. That's fucking stupid. That's just moronic. But, folks, he's got Roosevelt. As three. 
Roosevelt. Three. I mean, come on, man. I, I, I get the partisanship. I get the whole, we got to be, we got to be tribal in our politics. Roosevelt. Roosevelt led the United States through two of the greatest crises, crises of the 20th century. He led the country through the Great Depression and World War II. The dude served from 33 to 45. He was so fucking beloved, he was elected four times. I mean, come on. He pulled the nation out of the Great Depression, navigated the Second World War, and gave the country the New Deal, putting it back on track. And you got him as the third worst president in American history. It is stunning the level of stupidity that comes with Political tribalism. Uh, to show you how fucking stupid that is and how you can you can recognize accomplishments without being that tribal in your politics. Let me explain something to you about a Republican president that many view as the worst president of all time, Richard Nixon. Prior to Trump, once again, Trump is... I think cemented in that spot at this point in time. Richard Nixon is known for what? Right? He's known for Watergate. Fucking up and having to resign office because he was such a fuck up when it came to trying to cover up a crime that he actually had nothing to do with. But he felt like he needed to cover up. And that's major, and it needs to be the first thing that's ever discussed when, it talk, when, when, when you discuss Richard Nixon. But if you take that and set it to the side for one moment and look at his list of accomplishments, Richard Nixon is one of the single greatest presidents to ever live. Seriously, just look at his accomplishments. In 1973, Richard Nixon ended the draft and moved the United States to an all-volunteer military. Major. He founded the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970. The EPA, the thing that cleans our air and water. Nixon founded it. Four Supreme Court justices. Insane. Unbelievable, right? At the time, $100 million was a lot of money. He dedicated $100 million to begin the war on cancer. That was the start of it. Signed Title IX in 1972, opening the door for women's collegiate sports. He oversaw the desegregation of Southern schools. Welcomed astronauts back from Apollo 11. Was a huge proponent. The 26th Amendment. If you don't know what the 26th Amendment is, that is the amendment that lowered the uh, age from 21 to 18 for Americans to vote. 
He was also the first president to give Native Americans the right to tribal self-determination by ending the policy of forced assimilation and returning their sacred lands. That's a handful of his top accomplishments, folks. And he was a Republican. And known as one of the worst cheats in American history. But think about that record minus Watergate. The man's face, if it wasn't for Watergate, would have been on fucking Mount Rushmore. He's got nothing to do with my party. I can praise a member of the other party when they do well. That was all phenomenal shit that Richard Nixon did. Amazing what Republicans could do when they're not tribal in their politics, huh? All right. Move on from TikTok for a minute here. Oh, wait a minute. I had one more, didn't I? That's right. The other stitch that I did. The other stitch that I did was a gentleman uh, that was talking about how uh, you do know that it was the Republicans that abolished slavery. It's one of the most idiotic arguments ever. Yes, we know that a Republican ended slavery. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. He was also a Northern liberal. And back then, Northern liberals were Republicans and Southern conservatives were Democrats. And after the New Deal, after a change in philosophy at the top, at the presidency, the two parties switched political affiliations. They switched platforms. They switched ideologies. And Southern conservatives became Republicans. But here's the thing. If all of you modern-day 2021 Republicans say that the South was wrong because it was all Democrats, all slave-owning Democrats in the South, fine, I will capitulate to that. When are you going to say that we should tear down the monuments of those Southern Democratic slave owners? When are you going to say that we need to change the name of some of our military bases so they no longer reflect honoring those Southern slaveholding Democrats? When are you going to get on board with banning the Confederate flag everywhere because it's a symbol of those Southern slave-owning Democrats. Put your money where your mouth is. Back it all the way or don't make the bullshit comparison at all. Okay? Thanks. Moving on, in the world of COVID, China has announced that they have a new way to test for COVID and it's already going to be a hard pass for me. The new COVID test that's come out of China is an anal swap. Yep, I said that correctly. You do not need to adjust your dial. I said anal. The video of a man leaving a medical clinic waddling as if his ass was in pain is what caused this story to blow up. And the, the, the government of China has since taken down all of the videos and released a statement saying that it, that video was a fake and it's not actually true and the swab doesn't actually hurt. But I'm still going to pass. 
So why are they doing anal swabs? Okay. Lee Tanzang, and I guarantee you I'm saying that wrong, but Lee Tanzang, who is the deputy, deputy director of the Respiratory and Infectious Diseases Department at Beijing's Yuan Hospital, said that studies show that the virus lasts longer in the anus or excrement than in the respiratory tract and that an anal swab <clears throat> an anal swab could be better at identifying the disease in mild or asymptomatic cases. Um, sorry, but we're going to have to go through a lot of trial and error and we are going to have to go through an absolute shitload of other types of tests. And we're we're going to have to eliminate everything before we even contemplate doing an anal probe. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, I just had my first prostate exam this past uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and I got to tell you, I'm not a fan. So I'm going to pass on that. And if it means that or risk getting the Rona, I'm just going to get the Rona and stay indoors. I'm good. I'm here. I got nowhere I need to be. So, best of luck to anybody that wants to get that. Hope it works out for you. Uh, In the world of impeachment news, uh, with about a week and a half to go to his second impeachment trial, Donnie's entire legal team walked on him. Uh, He had together a pretty decent legal team, actually, um, and they had been having regular meetings about strategy, and it has come out that... um, they were pushing him to adopt a strategy of arguing that the impeachment trial itself was unconstitutional because it was being held after he had already left office. So, in my personal opinion, while it's a bullshit argument, it's still the best argument that he had to go with. And his lawyers were right in trying to direct him in that particular uh, direction. Um, had he gone with that argument, then what he could have done is he could have given Republicans in the Senate who have to be the jurors of his second impeachment trial cover, okay? They could have given him them cover to change the narrative. Instead of arguing whether or not he did or did not incite a riot, a coup, an insurrection, they could have argued that it was just unconstitutional. We don't even need to talk about that because it's just unconstitutional to have this. But they, he just can't let it go. He can't let it go and he can't just listen to the the experts. And so he, he told them no. He told his lawyers no. What you're going to do is you're going to go in there and you're going to argue that I actually won the election. And they were like, dude, we can't do that. We're not doing that. And he said, that's what you're going to do. And they all walked on him. He is never going to let that go. The last words he speaks on this planet will be, I won that election. So what does he have to do? He has to scramble. And he wound up getting himself a couple new lawyers. And as you would imagine, uh, his new lawyers are gems. Um, His new legal team uh, was hired and brought in just before the deadline that they... uh, were imposed with to file their brief in response to the impeachment trial. And uh, in that brief that they filed, they actually misspelled United in United States. First line of the brief replying to a presidential 
impeachment trial and his lawyers misspelled United. Only the best people. So who are these two Mensa members that he hired? Well, one of them is attorney David Schoen. You might remember that name because he's the attorney that visited Epstein in prison to discuss representing him prior to his uh, untimely departure from Earth. And the other one was Bruce Castor, a lawyer who declined to prosecute Bill Cosby for his sex crimes. So a man who wanted to represent Epstein and a man who refused to prosecute Cosby are now the legal team who misspelled United in United States in Donnie's brief reply to the Senate, and that's who's going to be representing him in the Senate. And he's already told Congress that he's not going to appear and testify on his own behalf. And his legal team will be going in there to argue not the merits of the case, not whether or not he did or did not incite an insurrection, not whether or not it is constitutional to have an impeachment trial after somebody leaves office, but they're going in there to argue that he won the election. So he's not going to defend himself against the charges he's presented with. He's not sending his team in to defend him, to defend him against the charges that he's been presented with. And most Republicans are still going to vote to acquit him, even without a defense of the charges that he's been presented with. Welcome to tribal politics in 2021. The Republican Party had an opportunity to clean this up themselves. They had an opportunity. McCarthy had an opportunity to strip somebody of their um, committee assignments, which we're going to talk about here shortly. They had an opportunity to kind of put this craziness behind them, and they have an opportunity in front of them right now to be done with Donnie forever, and they will not take it because they lack moral fortitude. They will not do it because they fear backlash from 30% of their party. Now, he's the past. He's going to continue to give us news stories. we got lots of trials that he's going to be involved in, lots of legal issues, and we're still going to be talking about him for many, many years. But the Republican Party has to figure out a way to move forward, and right now they're in a bit of a civil war. And the civil war is to determine whether or not they're going to be a far-right-wing conspiracy-driven party or if they're going to be the party of old, if they're going to be the, the classic Republican Party of don't touch my money, don't touch my guns, give me a big army. The pre-Reagan Republicans. A lot of people only see what the Republican Party is today. A lot of the younger people only see what the Republican Party is today. And that is a party of extraordinarily sexist, homophobic, and racist, religious extremists. But that is not always been the case. That has not always been the case. Pre-Reagan, the Republican Party was basically a fiscally conservative party, but a socially, I don't really give a fuck party. Okay, they had some ties to the religious community, but basically, as I said, it was don't touch my money, low taxes, don't touch my guns, Second Amendment, and give me a big fat fucking army. Reagan found his way of getting elected was to mobilize the Christian conservative moral right in this country. And it worked so fucking well that the Republican Party has leaned into that skid ever since. They've eroded all of the other bases that they could possibly tap into for votes. Women don't like them. 
Hispanics don't like them. Immigrants don't like them. Black people don't like them. Gay people don't like them. Educated people don't like them. So they, they, they just clung to the religious right. They clung to the people who live in the poorest communities and who are the most easily manipulated. And now they're having a little bit of a civil war. It's those far right-wing religious loons who are now married with the conspiracy theorist QAnon on one side, and you have your traditional old-school pre-Reagan Republican uh, GOP members on the other side. And we're going to see in the next couple of years, before the 2022 midterm election, what kind of party this is going to be. And both factions are being represented right now by young upcoming faces, and I want to talk about them for just one minute. The far right-wing QAnon tinfoil hat conspiracy theory section of the party, which I believe is about 30 to 40 percent of the Republican Party, is currently represented. The face of that party has got to be Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? The QAnon conspiracy House member who is uh, getting her um, committee assignments stripped from her. Now, I'm recording this in the 4.30 hour on Thursday, so the vote hasn't happened yet, but we know it's going to pass because it only takes a simple majority. So she's going to lose her committee assignments. Um, And it's a shame that Mike McCarthy put the Republicans through this to have to actually have a vote in which they're on record as supporting her or removing her after some of the things she said. Now, once again, this is is being recorded before the vote, so I don't know what the vote total is, but i got to imagine at least some Republicans are going to cross over and vote with the Democrats on this one. Um, So what has this loon said? Um, Well, she believes that the California wildfires were set when... Uh, Pacific Rail and Gas and the prominent Jewish wealthy family, the Rothschilds, partnered with a Jewish cabal to utilize the Jewish cabal's space laser to clear land for a new high-speed rail project in California. Yes. You heard that right. Marjorie Taylor Greene an elected Republican to the House of Representatives believes that the California wildfires were started by Jewish space lasers. Already, she should be stripped of her committee assignments, right? But it gets better. Worse, I guess. She believes that Parkland and Sandy Hook were false flags. Actually, if you do a deep dive into her social media posts, there are some posts in which she has shared or liked, in which, mainly that she's liked, in which uh, the post discusses that Sandy Hook and Parkland never actually happened. Specifically Sandy Hook. That's kind of that um, Alex Jones mentality. It never happened. Those kids are still alive. All of those parents are crisis actors. But the thing that she's got the most spotlight on her for from the from the two school shootings are all of her posts saying that it was a false flag. In other words, she's saying that the government killed those kids. Jewish space lasers and false flag school shootings. 
Now, keep in mind, the Republicans put this dimwit on the fucking education committee. That's what got the Democrats heckles up. She doesn't believe that the school shootings were real, and you put her on the education committee. But the reason why she's got to go, the reason why I ask people why she's not in prison right now are her posts in which she's liked, shared, and and made original posts um, espousing the mindset that her Democratic colleagues in the House of Representatives who think differently than her should be executed. And that includes the third in line of the President, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. How how is that allowed to go out into the public sphere and then you don't get a visit from the cops? People just stormed the Capitol a month ago. And while they were storming the Capitol, they were erecting gallows on the lawn of the Capitol so that they could hang the line of succession. The Vice President, Mike Pence, and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. They were going to hang them on the lawn of the Capitol live on Facebook. This woman is behind that, supports that. And she's being given committee assignments by the GOP. McCarthy, the House Republican minority leader, had an opportunity to clear this up. He had cover from prominent old-school GOP elected officials. Mitch McConnell gave him cover. Liz Cheney in the House of Representatives gave him cover. Other prominent Republican senators gave him cover. He could have stripped her of her committee assignments, been done with it, but he is forcing the entire conference to go on record as to whether or not they support a woman who says her colleagues should be killed and Jewish space lasers started the California wildfires or if they need to vote against her. They got to go on record on this issue because McCarthy lacks moral fortitude. All McCarthy knows is do as Trump says. McCarthy has ambitions of one day being the Speaker of the House. That is never going to happen now. So that's the side. The QAnon side, the Marjorie Taylor Greene side. I say she's the face of that side. That side includes faces such as Josh Hawley, Howley, Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates. That's the QAnon side. They might as well just call themselves the Q Party. That's the side that's going to eventually break off and form the Patriot Party. God, I hope so. Split the conservative vote for a generation. Please. Republicans, if you don't handle your shit when it comes to these lunatics, 2022 is going to be a political bloodbath. Seats are going to be shed left and right. But now there's the other side to that party. There's the other side, the old school Republican Party, that's trying to fight its way back into control, right? The Mitch McConnells of the world, the Liz Cheney's of the world, the Lisa Murkowski's of the world. And they're looking for their young, upcoming face and voice. And I think somebody who's trying to position himself 
as that young upcoming voice is the representative for my own district uh, here in Illinois' 16th district, Adam Kinzinger. Adam Kinzinger voted to impeach Trump the second time around, and he has since formed a new super PAC that he has described as something he wants to become the economic engine behind backing candidates who are opposed to Trumpism. The anti-Trump candidates. Upon hearing that, you might say, that's good. Why are you uh, not liking that out of your congressman? Well, the one thing you got to understand is having lived here throughout all of this, um, we get to know Adam quite a bit, and he's a bit of an opportunist. Uh, See, Adam originally is not even from this district. He's from down in the Kankakee area, and he was an elected official down there, but after redistricting, he couldn't get elected down there because nobody down there liked him anymore, and the lines had been redrawn, so he had to move into my district. Now, go look at Illinois' 16th Congressional District and see how large it is. It goes from all the way up near Rockford, Illinois, which is the largest city in the district, all the way down to just southwest of the Joliet area, which is where I am. Big area, lots of towns to choose from. But when Adam moved into this district to become the Republican nominee for Congress, he not only moved into the district, but he moved into my tiny little 13,000-person town. So he is right here in town with me now. Yay. And he is now positioning himself as the anti-Trump candidate. I find that a little difficult to do, a little difficult to buy, when for four years while Trump was in office, he voted with Trump 92% of the time. He voted with the Trump agenda 92% of the time. Whatever Trump wanted, he just stamped it and sent it out. And now that Trump's out of office, and he takes a look around and he goes, wow, the dude's kind of crazy, and I live in a blue state, I need to figure out my next angle, I'm going to become an anti-Trumper. Convenient as hell. Now, in reality, he committed political suicide as far as being ever being reelected from this district, because the while this is an extraordinarily red district, and believe me, it is red. My town is Trump land, folks. Trump signs everywhere. Um, and while the district is extraordinarily red and the Republican candidate, whoever it is, is going to win this district hands down, the thing is, is that he's not even going to be the nominee because the Republicans in this district are pissed that he voted to impeach Trump and even more pissed that he's raising money to take on anti-Trump can- candidates. So why did he do it? I believe he wants to be president someday, but he doesn't have the chops yet to be president. He's been a, a congressman for a district here in Illinois. Okay, that's fine. He doesn't really necessarily have the chops to just bust out and run for national office. So I believe what he's trying to do is he's trying to set himself up for a gubernatorial run here in Illinois to get himself the executive experience he needs to then make the jump to the national level to try and run for president one day. And I think he's taking a look around at the situation and saying, okay, I got to distance myself from Trump now. 
if I do that, I'm going to be politically dead in my district. So what's my next move? Well, my next move would be to run for the gubernatorial seat because the governor we got is very disliked. Okay, J.B. Pritzker is, listen, Republicans hate any Democratic governor that comes up in Illinois, but they really hate J.B. Pritzker, really hate him. And so he sees an opportunity. He thinks maybe he can win the governorship. And if he can get a a lap around the block, a term under his belt as governor, and get that executive experience and combine that with his congressional experience and his military background, he can then make himself into a, a young, new, fresh candidate for the Republican nominee. 2024? No. 2028? Yeah. I can see that. And so he's kind of positioning himself right now to be that young anti-Trump voice, be the opposite of the young pro-Trump QAnon Marjorie Taylor Greene. See who can win control over the party. It's going to be interesting to watch it play out over the next two years because I don't think that the new party, the Patriot Party, the one that you guys see with the lion logo everywhere, I don't think that party is going to take form over the course of the next two years before the midterm elections of 2022. But I do think it's going to take uh, shape. I do think it's going to become a new party. I think that 30 to 40% of the Republican Party is going to remain loyal to this idea of Trumpism, Uh, isolationism, uh, nationalism, cloaked in racism, sexism, homophobia, and Islamophobia. And they're going to break off and they're going to form the Patriot Party. Now, what that's going to do is that's going to split, if it comes to fruition, it'll split the conservative, the Republican vote for the better part of a generation and allow Democrats to walk in. And that, unfortunately, is going to be a very bad thing on the other end because if Democrats just win so fucking easily, then the nuttiest among us have the opportunity to seize power and do nutty things. So there's a strong possibility that if the Trump faction of the Republican Party breaks off to form the Patriot Party that the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC plus three faction of the Democratic Party could also break off one day and form a more left-leaning progressive party leaving four parties to choose from at which point in time I could easily see the center-left Democrats that are left over and the center-right Republicans that are left over fusing to form some kind of political party that is a representation of a day gone by, you know, an era that we no longer know about when people would actually work together in Congress instead of being constantly at each other's throats. That is a long evolutionary process, but one that I can easily see playing out as long as that first step of the far right breaking off and forming that other party is there. It'll give license to the to the um, to the 
far left of the Democratic Party to say, we can do that too. We can do that. We can form another party, and then the Democratic Party isn't going to have a control over the agenda and the platform anymore. No, I am in no way suggesting that this party breaks off and forms within the next 10 years, and then Bernie is going to be their gold standard. I mean, he's a little bit old as it is now. Hell, fucking Biden's ancient as fuck. But they got a lot of young faces on that side. They got a lot of young faces that people within that uber-progressive side of the Democratic Party, a side that I am not part of, um, would love to see on the national level. I'm an Obama Democrat, okay? I'm I'm center-left. I am... You should be able to own your guns, but you need to be registering your guns and... Uh, Doing things above board. You got to go through background checks. You got to wait to get your gun. You're not allowed to own certain types of guns, but you can still own hundreds, if not thousands, of guns. You go get a good abortion, go ahead. Go get an abortion. Everybody should get health care. That's me. Center left. I don't espouse that we should have. Guaranteed income and housing. No, I don't agree with that at all. I, I you still have to go out and earn an income. And if you're homeless, we'll put a, ho- a roof over your head. Obviously, clearly, an income, a guaranteed income. No. So I, I could see that happening. I could see these factions splintering off and breaking it down into four parties that ultimately end up being three parties. And by the time my children are in my position, they will know an America that is run by three political parties, not two. At least that's my prediction as I sit here in February of 2021. So, uh, we're going to have to wait and see how that happens. But first, before any of that happens, we're going to see how the Civil War plays out. Who's going to win control over the Republican Party? Is it going to be the Marjorie Taylor Greens or is it going to be the Adam Kinzingers? Is it going to be your old school, fiscally conservative Republicans or is it going to be the QAnon, hardcore right-wing Republicans? It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to wrap this up for this week because that's all I got for you. So... Um, check back in next week. We'll see what's going on with the impeachment trial. We'll see if Marjorie Taylor Greene got her committee assignment stripped and how many Republicans voted with her. Uh, We'll see how much more snow falls here in the Chicagoland area and if any more anal tests come up that we need to talk about. Uh, Until then, stay cool, stay grateful, and I'll see you next week.